Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Today, we got the NL Central preview for you. It's exciting. You know, after looking at both central divisions, um, they're not great. They're not great. I feel like they're comfortably the worst divisions in baseball. And I don't feel bad about saying that. Um, We're going to talk about the NL Central, obviously, in this pod. We did the AL Central in the last one. So knocking out both Centrals here. Uh, And what are we going to get cracking with? Who are we going to start with? Uh, None other than the Cincinnati Reds. Yay, the Cincinnati Reds. They did not have a good season last year. They're not a very good baseball team. Last year, they went 62-100. and 100. Their Pythag, again, Pythagorean record, 64-98. So, I mean, they, you know, they, maybe they should have won two more games. I don't know. I don't know. However, what I do know is the team is projected around 68-ish wins, um, which is pretty bad. It's not great. Could be worse, I guess. Um, it's, But it's not good. It's not good at all. Before I get really into the weeds with this team, who did they add this offseason to help them win more games? Uh, they signed Luke Weaver. They signed Will Myers. They signed Kurt Casale. They signed Luke Maley. Uh, and then they made a few different trades. They traded with the Guardians. Uh, they gave away Justin Boyd for Will Benson. They made a trade with the Pirates. They gave away Kevin Newman for Dari Moretta. They made a trade with the Twins uh, for Casey Lugamina, and they gave uh, Kyle Farmer to the Twins. That's probably the most notable trade here. Uh, and then they traded for Nick Solak from the Rangers for someone. Someone whom I don't have written down. Probably doesn't matter a whole lot. Let's be honest. Uh, and then who else did they lose besides those guys to the trades? Mike Moustakis, they released him. Art Warren, Aristides Aquino, Jeff Hoffman, and Kyle Dowdy all were non-tendered. And then Donovan Solano, Justin Wilson, and Austin Romine all were lost to free agency. And then Mike Miner, uh, there was just a mutual option declined there and elected free agency after that. So that was their offseason. Obviously, um, they had a couple moves middle of the season or... Eh, yeah, middle of the couple moves middle of the season. So, what did their team look like last year? You might ask. Well, their key contributors uh, are all gone. I guess that's not true. Tyler Stevenson, their catcher, still there. I like Tyler Stevenson. He's a good catcher. Uh, both sides of the ball, they're solid on this team. Uh, but the other key contributor from this team last year that is now gone is Brandon Drury. They made that trade midseason to the Padres, um, and he really, really had a good season for them last year. He had 128 uh, OPS plus in 92 games for the Reds last year. Really a lone bright spot on this otherwise desolate offense. And the offense does not project any better this year um, but the other key loss, obviously, for them midseason was Luis Castillo. They made that trade with the Seattle Mariners and got some some good prospects in return. We'll get into later. 
Um, but I mean, last season you saw Hunter Green take a, a step forward. He was a little hurt. Um, and his raw numbers don't look great, but he was really, really good at the end of the season when he came back from injury. Uh, really encouraging. Projects to be really good. Uh, and then Nick Lodolo as well. A lot of people probably didn't know him unless you're a baseball nerd or you're a Reds fan. Uh, rookie season last year. Had a really solid year. Uh, and looks to build on that this year. Very crafty lefty, if I do say so myself. Um, and now, I mean, last year's team, man, it's it's tough to be a Reds fan these days. Uh, I think their ownership, like, legitimately is the most broke in the league. Uh, I say that, you know, confidently saying they have more money than I'll ever have in my entire life. I want to say their ownership is worth, like, half a billion dollars or something, which is not that much when you compare it to the other owners. So it makes sense, obviously, that this team can't spend like the top teams. But again, even a poor owner can spend. uh, And they've shown little to no willingness to do that. I mean, you had a 2021 team that was fun. It was one of the best offenses in the National League. They had a legitimate wild card run almost, like and the ownership in the front office took that team and dismantled it entirely. Castellanos was shipped out, Schwarber was shipped out, obviously uh Eugenio, Jesse Winker were shipped out, and then recently, like last season, like Brand Drury was shipped out, um Luis Castillo, like Sonny Gray was gone. I th- That 2021 team was fun. It was a fun team. And they could have built on something. And no, dismantled for prospects. And, I mean, the team has a lot of good prospects right now. That's for sure. But it's just depressing if you're a Reds fan. With so much promise from that season. Just squandered uh, from the front office. Especially because Joey Votto's days are fleeting as a major league baseball player uh, and trying to really go for it in the latter stages of his career would have been really cool, not only for him, but for Reds fans and generally just baseball. Cause everyone loves Joey Votto. That 2021 season also saw a breakout from Jonathan India rookie one rookie of the year. And then kind of had a, he, he came back to earth in 2022. he, he posted 116 OPS plus in 2021, 2022, 91 OPS plus really, uh, again, coming down to earth. I expect him to bounce back a little bit this year. He's not obviously a lost ball player. He's still going to be good for sure, but tough to see him take a big step back. Like he did, uh, definitely rooting for a bounce back this year from him. Uh, but that, that's all I'm going to talk about from last year's team. Besides that Taylor Motter played on this team. Shout out to Taylor Motter. What they project for this season is just more just bad. Like I said, they're projected for around 68 wins, which is more than last season, which makes sense that it's more than last season. There's a lot more upside, I guess, than last year's team with this team. Um, I mean, they signed Will Myers, who is a decent bat still. Uh, Tyler Stevenson will continue to... Uh, improve behind the plate I'm confident I don't know if his defensive numbers grayed out too well but I know he's a pretty good hitter behind the dish they signed Luke Maley to back him up who's fine in the field he's a, and Kirk Casale they have three you know MLB catchers uh, one of which is a pretty good hitter then 
Joey Votto, I'm assuming, will still be playing first base, although he is hurt at the moment. Um, Jonathan India is a second. I mean, I just hope he projects to have a good season. I don't really think his fielding is quite up to snuff, um, but his bat plays, and he's pretty fast on the bases. Really what we're looking at here is hopefully Ellie De La Cruz makes it up to the majors. I really – there's no way he starts on this team – even if he was lighting spring training on fire, I doubt this team would start him in the majors just for service time manipulation. So who's projected to start at shortstop is Kevin Newman, who's a, you know, he's an all right shortstop. He's actually, I mean, he's not good. He's not a good shortstop. I shouldn't give him that much credit. He's not a good shortstop. And really, he's just the placeholder for Elliot Cruz when he comes up. And boy, if you don't know about Ellie De La Cruz, look him up. His potential, I mean, talk about an upside guy. Unlimited upside with him. He's kind of O'Neill Cruzy at shortstop. He's 6'5, so he's huge. Uh, his raw power, it grades out at 70. Like, it's insane uh, raw power. It's really, really good on the base pass, too. He's really fast. Um, and I think his defense is graded out pretty well. Like, he's not going to – well, I shouldn't say he's not going to be a gold glover. He's not, like, graded out as an amazing defender. Where most of his value will probably come from is hitting and, and running. Uh, but holding down the shortstop position, and I'm so excited for him to come up because the bat speed's absurd. Uh, just the strength of this kid is insane. And he's probably mm, – I, he's not going to play enough to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, but I th- I'm i assuming he'll be up late to mid-middle of the year. I guess it depends on injuries, depends on what he does in the minors where they start him out. Because I know he reached double-A last season and looked great in double-A. So I'm assuming they'll start him in double-A or even triple-A this year and see how he does. And if he puts up anything close to the numbers he did last season, he'll be up post-April. So hopefully we'll get to see him there. And then the other bright spots on this team, I mean, there's not much. Like, there's really not much uh, in the offense-wise. They according to Fangraphs, project to have the least valuable offense in the league. And that's below the Nationals. That's below the Nationals. That's tough. Uh, I mean, no. They just don't don't have much going on for me on offense. Like, Nick Senzel will be out playing bad in center field. Will Myers, I'm assuming, will play right field slash first base. Jake Fraley is out there who is, you know, he's fine. He's a fine player. For sure. Like TJ Friedel, Stuart Fairchild, Chad Pinder. I mean, I'm just naming dudes. Nick Solak. Like, it's a lot of just like, oh, that's a guy who plays in the MLB. Uh, really, where this team shines, I I say shine with a very loose definition, is the pitching. The pitching will actually be very interesting to watch this year. Like I said, uh, the top two is actually really good. Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green both project to be well above average starters this year. Uh, And those guys potentially could take another step forward this year and next year and be 
a great one-two punch for this team for years to come. After them, it gets a little dicey for sure. Um, Graham Ashcraft is another young guy who hopes to take a step forward this year. He's he's not bad. He's fine. Um, I liked a little bit of what I saw of him last year. Luke Weaver, another fella who is like, he's not young, but he can throw innings at the major league level, and he's certainly a name. Yeah, I, t- I told you after the I, honestly after the first three guys, I, I like Ashcraft as a three for this team right now. Because after that, it's it's Luke Weaver, it's Luis Sessa, um, a couple of former Mariners will probably see some some time with this team this year. Levi Stout and Brandon Williamson, uh, Connor Phillips, I like and projects to be pretty good. I like him actually. Um, also, he came over from the Mariners, uh, so they really stocked their farm system with uh, guys the Mariners developed, and that's honestly not a bad idea. Um, Luis Sessa has always interested me but he's never quite put it together in a meaningful way. I guess uh, his, his stuff is just pretty sick, um, but I don't know. I don't know. There's not much. And then in terms of the bullpen, uh, Alexis Diaz is pretty interesting. I do enjoy watching him pitch. Uh, I do believe he's playing in the WBC. Uh, for Puerto Rico with his brother. I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Edwin Diaz. So that's that's pretty fun. Lucas Sims, Buck Farmer, Ian, oh, jeez, Jabal. I, I, Jabal, I still don't know how to say that name. Uh, Hunter Strickland is, is slotted into this bullpen, notably um, fighter of Bryce Harper, Hunter Strickland. Uh, and then Reaver San Martin actually was not a horrible pitcher last year who will throw a lot of innings out of their bullpen this year. As you can see, it's it's just not great. It's not great. I don't have much else to say about the Reds. The team's just not good. I'm looking out for Ellie Cruz, and then they have they do have a lot of prospects that intrigue me. They might have the most depth of any infield prospects in the league because they have Ellie De La Cruz as their number one. But then following that, two guys they got from the Mariners in the uh, Luis Castile trade, Noelvi Marte and Edwin Arroyo, both play shortstop. Uh, everyone is expecting Noelvi to switch to third base. He played uh, in the fall league when he got traded to sh- the Reds at third because uh, his defense at short didn't look amazing. His range didn't look great, but his arm is good. So, I think he will be a third baseman going forward. But then they have Cam Collier, who's their number four uh, prospect, who's a third baseman in rookie ball, who they uh, just drafted. Uh, They have Matt McClain, who also plays up the middle, shortstop second base, who projected probably to be their number one shortstop before Ellie De La Cruz came along. They got to trade one of these guys, right? They can't fit all of them onto one team. But there's a lot of upside. Christian Encarnacion Strand plays third base as well. So they have second, short, and third. They have depth at prospects for that. Like, they have another guy named Sal Stewart who's in rookie ball who they just drafted at third base too. So it's weird. It's a weird makeup of prospect list. But they have a tremendous amount of depth uh, up the middle with their prospects, which is really interesting. Spencer Steer as well will play this season and he is 
at least interesting. Uh, he'll he'll start third for them this year, and I know he's just projected to be like an all around good player. I don't think anything jumps off the charts like scouting wise about him. I think he'll get on base a decent amount, play decent defense at third or just infield and be okay. Uh, is what I at least or see about him. But that's the Reds. Really, it's a team that I will be watching for Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, their starts. I'll try to tune in. And then if Ellie David Cruz, when he comes up to the majors, tune in to watch him. Uh, if not, to just watch him take hacks, big daddy hacks, because he's huge and will hit big dingers, especially in that ballpark. So that's the Reds. Uh, they're over under, according to Bet MGM, is uh, 64 and a half. Eek. Ooh, man. I, oh, God. Vegas, why do you got to do this to me? I don't even know. 64 and a half? I'll say under. This team's pretty trash. I know they're projected. A little bit above that, but I'm just going to take the under because I don't expect Lodolo or Hunter Green to throw 200 innings this year, uh, and they need other guys to step up to throw those innings, and I do not believe in the current crop of close to MLB-ready guys being that great for them this year. The offense is probably going to be pretty bad, and yeah, I'm taking the under. Under 64 and a half wins for the Cincinnati Reds. And now we will move on to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ah, the Pirates, everyone. Now, the Pirates, I will say, are slightly more interesting than the Reds. However, they both won the same amount of games last year. 62 and 100. Uh, Their Pythag was actually 58 and 104. So, theoretically, they won more games than they should have based on how they played. And that's impressive because they were pretty bad. Really bad, actually. Uh, they're bright spots on last year's team. Brian Reynolds. A lot of talk about Brian Reynolds. I've talked a lot about Brian Reynolds as a trade piece. They haven't traded him. And will they trade him? I don't know. I do. I, actually, no. I'll say it. They're going to trade him. They'll trade him before the trade deadline because I think teams will get desperate and they'll probably get a better package than they would have this offseason to get him. So... Uh, I think he'll be out of here. His timeline doesn't exactly fit with the rest of this team. Uh, unless, of course, they extend him, which they won't because it's the Pirates. Similar situation to the Reds where the ownership just kind of sucks, like smells like broke in here. Uh, they got, like they had that really, really fun team in the early 2010s, and they just never invested. Like They have a clear way. like They can clearly develop guys pretty well. Uh, and that team specifically was so good, man. Like Garrett Cole, Chris Archer, Andrew McCutcheon, like those teams were awesome. And they never, ever augmented that team with free agent signings. And if they did, they sky's the limit for that team. If they signed a couple, even a couple guys. Uh, so uh, who else was good for them last year? Daniel Vogelbach was a great hitter for them last year. Obviously, we know he got traded. He's on the Mets. Uh, O'Neill Cruz ended up at the end of the year being a positive contributor to their team at the plate. Uh, tough start for him, 
but really picked it up towards the end of the season. And then obviously we saw his throwing arm at short. He's a unicorn. He's huge. He hits really big dingers. Um, there's not much else to say about him. Go watch this guy. He's like six, seven, um, preposterously tall for a baseball player. And he will probably improve this year at the plate. I mean, he'll probably strike out a decent amount, but he'll probably hit some good dingers. Uh, he, another one, is like a very sky's the limit type of guy, but also very polarizing. And, uh, like, depending on who you ask, people might say he sucks. People might say he's uh, him. So, depends on who you ask. Um, his, his exit velocities tell you a story of, oh my god, this guy can hit the ball so goddamn hard. Otherwise, his team, much like the Reds, is bad. Uh, they're projected, though, this season around 71 wins, 71 and 91 ish. Uh, I mean, most of the team from last year is back. Like, Daniel Vogelbach isn't on the team, but like another guy I, I do enjoy watching is Rodolfo Castro. I am intrigued by him. He plays in the infield, just generally, just in the infield. I know he played um, kind of spread out all over short third base and second base last year for this team it was really good just as an infield utility guy and then like obviously um they returned basically everyone else I mean, everyone else is young and under team control like cabrian hayes is back um uh, cabrian's a, a guy i root for a lot to be really good his defense at third he looks like he could be a uh, a gold glove third baseman in his career. His offense hasn't quite picked up from where we saw it in the 2020 season. Um, strikeout numbers are a little alarming to me, but at the very least, you got a really good solid defense over there at third base. And then I also just like Brian Reynolds. He's not a flashy player, but he's just a very good baseball player in most senses of the word. Uh, and then, yeah, and then the pitching is, like, fi- like Mitch Keller is fine. I like Mitch Keller. JT Brubaker is also, like, eh. Jose Quintana was really good for them last season. He's not on the team. Uh, another guy who will be playing in the uh, WBC, Roency Contreras, made his debut for them last year. I, hmm, he might have played, like, three times in 2021. He was a rookie eligible last year and looked pretty good in uh, like 100 innings. So he's one to look out for this year, for sure, to, to build on a solid, solid start to his career last year. Uh, otherwise, it's the signings were interesting. So who they signed and such were um, their big signings. Who are the big signings? Uh, they signed Vince Velasquez. They signed Austin Hedges. They signed Rich Hill, Andrew McCutcheon, Carlos Santana, Jarlin Garcia. I mean, when they signed these guys, I was like, they're just hiring babysitters for all of these uh, young players. That's a little bit what they did. I mean, they brought McCutcheon back, which is cool, back to Pittsburgh for him. That'll be fun to see him back in a Pirates jersey. Uh, Rich Hill is 62 years old and still pitching in the MLB, which is pretty wild. Austin Hedges is still an elite framer uh, and will definitely work really well with uh, Andy Rodriguez in teaching him how to catch really well because Austin Hedges provides no value at the plate, really, but he's still an elite uh, pitch framer. So that is definitely helpful. 
And then they they did trade for G-Man Choi and like Connor Joe. Nothing super flashy. Uh, and again, they didn't lose too many guys. They they made a decent amount of trades, um, but they lost like they lost Ben Gamble from last year's team, and, like Jose Godoy. Uh, really not. They didn't lose a whole lot of guys. So I don't hate the offense on this team. To be honest with you, I do not hate it at all. I think it's actually going to be a pretty decent offense. Uh, Austin Hedges, no. Andy Rodriguez at a, at the catcher position, though, he can also play outfield. He made his or hasn't made his debut yet, but he projects to be a good hitter at the plate for a young catcher, which is really interesting. And again, I really hope he picks up on Austin Hedges' defense and learns from him to improve his game. And I'm sure he will. G Man Choi known slugger of the baseball would be at first base for them. Uh, Rodolfo Castro and like Jihuan Bay will play second. Jihuan Bay is an interesting player whom I enjoy. O'Neill Cruz at short. Cabrian Hayes at third. Like Brian Reynolds. Um, I'm glad they have Jack Sawinski on this team because he can play center. I want like a little bit better than Brian Reynolds and putting Brian Reynolds in left really improves his value because he's just not a great defender in center field. Uh, and then you'll have like Cal Mitchell and uh, Andrew McCutcheon out there in the outfield too, like right field DH. Uh, and then you have this fella, Kanan Smith Jigba, who will play a little bit this year in the outfield. I know he came up last year, like late September, I want to say. Uh, and He's he's has a hurt wrist, I know, recently, but I think he's been doing baseball stuff. But I don't think he's going to start the year healthy, but he's one of their prospects who I can see making some sort of impact at the big league level this year. Otherwise, from the batting perspective, not a lot of fun stuff. I mean, Carlos Santana's there. They gave him a contract for whatever reason. Very interesting. Um, but really, again, like the Rays, what you're looking out for is their prospects. So I talked about Andy Rodriguez, who's really intriguing as a catcher outfield guy. Um, I guess they might not want him to continue catching if he can play the outfield a decent amount because they have Henry Davis, their number one overall pick a couple years ago, a catcher who looks like not I'm not comparing him to Adley Rutschman, but like looks like he could be a potential all-around just great catcher in the league. And then like I, I don't know, like they have Leover Peguero, who projects to be in the league this year as well, who plays uh middle infield, who's a prospect. Like really the their number one guy who's pretty far off from the majors right now is Tremar Johnson at second base. And he looks every bit like the real deal. And I think he will he's not gonna be up this year. I heavily doubt it. He hasn't played above A ball, I don't think. Uh but he's one to watch. Uh, this team's not trying to win, so they're not going to win. Um and their like their offense, I do I like I like the like the top guys in their offense. Like Brian Reynolds, O'Neill Cruz, and like Cabrian Hayes, Andy Rodriguez, Carlos Santana, these guys can hit. It's not terrible. Not a terrible offense. Definitely better than the Reds offense, that's for sure. Uh, and pitching is really where I don't enjoy this team. Uh unlike the Reds, this pitching 
doesn't get me going. Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, Rowan C. Contreras, Rich Hill, Vince Velasquez. Um, Vince Velasquez at one point looked like a guy who could strike out 15 every game with his fastball and then just got hurt and then really, really hasn't been good since then. That was a while ago. Uh, Rich Hill, again, I said uh, he's not 62. I think he's the oldest guy in the league, like 45 Below average pitcher at this point in his career. Fun to watch, though. He throws a 69 mile an hour curveball, so that's fun. Uh, Rowan C. Contreras. I, I I probably would watch him the most out of the rest of the guys in this rotation. I mean, Mitch Keller's not like a bad pitcher. JT Brubaker's not a bad pitcher. They're okay. Just not anything to write home about. The guy I really enjoy, really the only guy I really like in this pitching staff is David Bender. Their reliever slash closer who surprised that he's still on this team. I could see him getting traded too. He's really good. He's really fun to watch. I would recommend watching him if you could. Um, I I don't have much else to say about the Pirates, y'all. I'm, I just... I'd rather talk about the better teams, more intriguing teams in this division. I think these two, the Reds and the Pirates, are comfortably um, going to take fourth and fifth in this division. I I don't even know who has more upside. The Pirates at this point definitely have more upside from an offensive standpoint, but the Reds pitching is really interesting to me. Put those two together and you get a, a, a still a below-average baseball team, but a more fun baseball team. I'll just do the over-under real quick. It's set at 66.5, and and you know what? I'm going to take the over. I think they win like 68, 69 games. I think think the offense is just good enough to win them that many games. And the the veterans that they brought in, I think, will just raise the floor of the team uh, and help out the young guys in a way that you can't quantify. So that's it for the Pirates. Now, who do I want to do next? I know... Let's talk about the Chicago Cubs, shall we? The Chicago Cubs, they are, well, I don't know. I don't know. Looking at this team, it confuses me. It confuses me greatly. They won 74 games last year, 74 and 88. Their Pythag was 73 and 89, so very close, very close to what they, uh, what they should have played at, I guess. They're projected around 77 this year uh and this team intrigues me the offense intrigues me specifically uh even more so than the pirates uh this this offense has the potential to be to be pretty good to be pretty frisky um it's pretty reliant on young fellas but they have a lot of young guys that are kind of just now hitting the majors. Like uh, most of their top prospects, like the top 10 are all uh, at or right close to the major league level with the exception of like a couple guys. Uh, But last season, what did they do? Who was good for them last season? Obviously the huge loss was uh, Wilson Contreras. That's a big loss. But otherwise, I mean, they really kept most of the guys who contributed to the team last year um they lost jason hayward like they released him and uh he's on the dodgers right now obviously i'll get to that in my dodgers preview but uh he was 
not the last guy from the World Series team, but the second to last guy, Kyle Hendricks is still on the team. Kyle Hendricks at this point eats innings, and that's about it. He doesn't he just doesn't do much else besides that. Eat innings and top out with his fastball at eighty eight miles an hour. Uh, otherwise, most of the guys are here. Stroman's back. Um, Justin Steele is back. Just a couple guys from rotation. And then most of their offense is back. Like, Nico Horner showed that he's a good LB player last year, elite defensively. Um, Patrick Wisdom put together a pretty good rookie, or no, not rookie season, um, sophomore season, technically, I believe. And he looks to be just their starting third baseman now, which is intriguing because uh, his name is Patrick Wisdom. Ian Happ is a good ball player. I think he's honestly pretty slept on. He does kind of everything correct. He strikes out a lot, but has a decent amount of pop, surprisingly, and can play very good defense out there in uh, in the outfield. Chris Morrell was putting together a Rookie of the Year campaign for the first half of last year. Uh, Seiya Suzuki, when he was healthy last year, same with Chris Morrell, both very intriguing guys in the outfield. Like, honestly, the outfield is pretty good. Um, and then they uh, they picked up Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini, which is interesting uh, because, personally, I would prefer to see one of their top prospects, Matt Mervis, at first base. Um so going into this season, yeah, that's who's going to be playing first most of the time. Is I'm assuming it's going to be a Hosmer-Mancini platoon situation um, with Mervis, I'm assuming, uh, making it up to the league shortly after the season starts, if not starting. Uh, really good raw power. Looks just like a classic, classic first baseman. Um, lefty, lefty guy whose raw power grades really well. And I don't know much about his defense besides he plays first base. Uh, and then at the catcher position, hey, Larry Strands is on this team. Uh, but Tucker Barnhart and Jan Gomes will play most of the, almost at snaps, like it was football. Innings there <laughs> at catcher position. And then their big signing, Dansby Swanson. Dansby will be holding down the shortstop position for the Chicago Cubs for seven years. Uh, and then what else happened with the Cubs this offseason? Oh, they signed Cody Bellinger, which I really like because why not take a little one-year signing with him? If he hits, he hits. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Um, might benefit a little bit from the shift, but uh, you know he can still be a good defensive outfielder in center where Chris Morrell was not an amazing defensive center fielder. So I believe Cody Bellinger looks like we'll start in the center field for them. Ian Happ will probably start in left. And then Seiya Suzuki will probably start in right. That's not a bad outfield, honestly, from a, a offensive or defensive standpoint. Like Ian Happ's offensive numbers are fine, but his defense is, is really solid. Bellinger, no idea what to make of Cody Bellinger these days. Uh, but his defense is at least fine, and he can run the bases pretty well. And then, say, Suzuki is, I want to say, average-ish, not a great defender or base runner, but his bat is really good when he's when he was healthy last year. He was hitting the cover off the ball. Uh, and then, like, DH will be Hosmer, Mervis, Mancini. At, like, the first baseman will be the DHs of this team, probably. 
And then, yeah, it's, uh, the intriguing thing is the defense. Like, this is a pretty solid defensive team and will definitely help out the pitching staff in that regard. Like, Tucker Barnard's a, a decent defensive catcher, and then maybe the, the best defensive up-the-middle team in the league. Uh, if you have you have Dansby at short, Horner at second, and Bellinger in center, like, it's a great defense up the middle. Uh, Nico Horner is an elite defensively. He was fantastic at shortstop and will only probably grade out better at second base as it's a less demanding position. We know Dansby uh, is a great defender. The thing about him is they gave him that big deal, and will he put up anything close to the offensive numbers he did last year? Um, really an offensive breakout, but I, I did talk about this when the signing happened that he had been steadily improving his offense his whole career. It's not like he hasn't worked at this, but it was, I would just want to say, somewhat of an outlier season last year. Uh, not in a terrible way. Like, even if he performs just a little bit, I think uh, it'll be worth the signing just for his defense and the fact that he stays really healthy. Uh, and I think he just wanted to go there. It sounded like he wanted to be a Cub. So. Good for them. Good for them. So I do like their offense. I think their offense can be middle of the road in the league, which is not bad for a team that projects to not win that many games. And part of it is because it's because they're pitching. Their pitching is not. It, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird pitching staff because uh, they signed Tyone, and Tyone is fine. Tyone is a average starting pitcher. Stroman, I really enjoy Marcus Stroman as a person, as a baseball player. I think he's cool, and he's a good pitcher. Uh, that's not a terrible top two. And let's throw in Justin Steele at the third spot. If you don't know about Justin Steele, his name is Justin Steele, which one? Very strong name. Uh, he made his debut with them, I want to say, in 2021, but was an eligible rookie last year and put together a damn good rookie season and looks to build on that this year so honestly the top three is like not bad the top three is decent but then you after that you have drew smiley and kyle hendricks who both are just not there's not great starting pitchers anymore uh but after that i i do enjoy uh what i've seen from hayden westneski westneski was oh wow that's gonna give you some troubles westneski yeah yeah westneski Hayden Wisniewski, um, I'm going to stop saying his name. His stuff in spring training this year has looked great, like a nasty slider. He's a, he's a top five prospect for them. And uh, I think he will probably command a back half of the rotation spot this year if he shows anything that is better than Drew Smiley or uh, Kyle Hendricks. So that's one to at least look out for at the back half of this rotation. Uh, one of their other top prospects, Ben Brown, projects to be right around at the major league level. So honestly, I I've I don't see Drew Smiley or Kyle Hendricks finishing the year in this rotation. I you know, I mean they like they'll be there, they're contracted to the team. Uh but I prefer to just bet on the young guys because I don't see the Cubs being any good to to want to challenge for the playoffs. Uh, but 
I don't know. It's it's a pitching staff that will at least be okay with the top three, but then after that, it's just big question marks, big, big, big question marks. And then any injuries to those top three, I can see this going very awry, very, very awry, uh, because in the bullpen, uh, it doesn't look that much better. Brad Boxberger is in this rotate or not rotation in the bullpen. Like Brandon Hughes is is not bad. I really do like Adbert Alzale. Um, got hurt last year, unfortunately. Um, but when he came back from his injury as a reliever, he only threw like 10 innings, but he looked fantastic in those 10 innings. So potentially a really good gem of a reliever in their bullpen this year to watch out for. Oh, they also signed Michael Fulmer, who slots into the relief spot as well, who uh, I also think is just a solid pitcher, along with Rowan Wick. All These guys are, will throw a lot of innings in the bullpen this year and just be fine, which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. But they're not going to, you know be the different do you guys do you guys hear this uh, i'm trying to record a podcast here and and people just started mowing the lawn uh directly outside of my apartment like should i yell at them that i'm trying to record a podcast like come on come on can't it wait don't they know i'm trying to talk about the nl central to y'all like just so disrespectful all right i'm back i uh i took all of their uh, landscaping equipment and I broke all of it so that they wouldn't disturb my podcast recording. And that is it. Where was I? The Cubs. The Chicago Cubs. That's where I was. Um, you know, I'll get to the over-under of this team. I've said my piece. I enjoy the offense. Um, oh, their prospects. Ooh, their prospects. I haven't talked about the prospects. Their number one prospect, who's wearing his full name on his jersey, Pete Crow Armstrong, very good name, fantastic name even, and he wears the Crow Armstrong on the jersey. Like, it almost takes up the entire back of the jersey. Uh, He will probably not make it to the bigs this year, and if he does, it'll be very late in September. Uh, But he is a very intriguing guy, potential elite defensive center fielder, uh, and very interesting prospect. And then uh, they have a couple more outfielders who project to be in the bigs this year. Uh, with the team, Kevin Alcantara and Brendan David, Brendan Davis, uh, two other outfielders who look like they will probably pair for this team this year a little bit, barring injury. Um, I'm assuming just filling in injury-wise uh, because right now they do actually honestly have a good amount of outfielders, like they have Ian Happ. And Trey Mancini can play outfield. Cody Belger, Chris Morrell, Miles Mastrobioni, Seiya Suzuki, uh, Zach McKinstry can play outfield. But injuries to those guys will warrant call-ups for guys like Kevin Alcantara and Brendan Davis. So two intriguing prospects. Uh, I think, I mean, they grade out pretty well. I think like Alcantara looks like a all-around guy with plus power and Brendan Davis looks similar to him um a guy who can probably play the corners and uh hit some dingers like their top three prospects potentially could be their entire outfield in three years like Pete Armstrong in center Kevin Alcantara and Brandon Davis in the corners but otherwise again not a whole lot to say about this team so let's just get to the over-unders 
And their over-under says 77 and a half. And I will, I'll take the under. I will take the under. Uh, they will be playing less of their division this year. So they'll be playing less of the Pirates and the Reds, which will not do great for their win total. You'd think it'd be balanced out by the Cardinals and the Brewers, but no. Um, I don't think so. I just think the the pitching is fragile, while the offense, I do enjoy the offense for sure. I just don't see them winning more than 78 games this year, even though that's, that's right around what they're projected at. I don't know. My gut says under, and I'm just... I'm going to go under, lock it in, under 77 and a half wins for the Chicago Cubs this season. Now, who do I want to get to next? There's only two other teams in this division. I'll talk about the Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers. Last season, the Milwaukee Brewers went 86 and 76. Their Pythag was 85 and 77. And that is like almost exactly what they're projected at for this season. Really intriguing team. Them and the Cardinals. Like this poses a very interesting divisional race going into this season. Obviously, uh, stuff will happen. And we don't know what will happen by the end of the year. Uh, you know, injuries-wise, whatever, what have you. There's a lot of stuff that could go wrong for both of these teams. Um, but so the, the Brewers, like they were so active this offseason. Like, God, what did they do? Let's go. The free agent signings. They signed Justin Wilson, relief pitcher. They signed Brian Anderson. They signed Wade Miley. Uh, they, they signed Blake Perkins. Um, other than that, the free agency, they weren't super active. But trade-wise, oh, trade-wise, they certainly were. Uh, they, they made that big trade with the Mariners for Jesse Winker, Abraham Toro, and Joseph Hernandez, all for Colton Wong. Uh, and then they made that huge trade with the Braves and the A's, the Sean Murphy trade, in which they gave up Estuary Ruiz only. They only gave up Estuary Ruiz. And they got back William Contreras, which the Brewers won that trade. I mean, the A's definitely lost it, and I talked about it when it happened. The Braves... Clearly got the guy they wanted and didn't give up like an, a ton really to get him. I mean, they gave up Contreras and a couple other guys, but like they got Sean Murphy in return. So whatever. The Brewers just were like, oh, oh, you guys want to, you want, we want this guy and we'll just take William Contreras. Okay. Yeah. We'll just have him like for basically nothing. Like Escher Ruiz looks like a fine player, but William Contreras legit might be a top five hitter, like catcher. Uh, hitting catcher this year. He's really good last year as a rookie and projects to be great this year for at the plate for them. Um, oh, yeah, they gave up Justin Topa in the Mariners trade as well. Uh, who else did they trade? They traded Hunter Renfro to the Angels, and they got back a couple pitchers, Elvis Pagaro, Jansen Junk, and Adam Seminaris. Very interesting trade. All guys who... I'll be quite honest with you, don't know much about those fellows. They made some other trades as well. Uh, they got Joel, Joel Payam from the A's as well, from the Estra Ruiz trade. And then that was kind of it. A lot of trades, a lot of in and outs with this team. But what what did they what did they do last year? Like what did this team do last year? Well, 
I mean, they were a very good baseball team last year who, like, just barely missed the playoffs. Uh, they ended up a decent way back of the Cardinals, but they ended up missing the playoffs by, like, a game to the Phillies. Uh, and this Brewers team, I like as a Cinderella run, like a wild card to World Series last year and even this year, too, simply because of the front end of their rotation is elite. Like, they might have the best rotation all baseball when you really look at it uh, because it's anchored in the front of this rotation by Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Uh, but it'd be one thing to have two elite starting pitchers as your one, two in a rotation. They have three other very good pitchers on this team now. Like, they have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and then they have Eric Lauer, Freddie Peralta, Wade Miley even, and Aaron Ashby. Wade Miley probably comfortably the sixth starter in this rotation, but Aaron Ashby's hurt right now, so whenever he comes back, he'll probably take most of Wade Miley's innings, and I like Aaron Ashby. Uh, he's a good pitcher, good young pitcher. Um, but if, like, Freddie Peralta is your five, fantastic pitching staff like Eric Lauer as a as a four even uh is fantastic just really good pitchers uh and that's also then you have a quite a good bullpen you got Matt Bush out there who's good Hobie Milner is good Javi uh Guerra's fine Jake Cousins had a good year uh, but then you have Devin Williams who slots in at their closer this year who is one of the best relievers in baseball. Uh, and it's one of those things where, yeah, they gave up Josh Hader, uh, potentially the best closer in baseball, one of them at least. And they could afford to lose him because they have Devin Williams. Now, I am confused a little bit at the direction of the team. It seems like they do want to win, but I don't know. Their owners, this is like the NL Central is full of these broke boy owners. It's kind of sad. Like these teams are just broke as hell. The only, like, there's no other way to put it. Uh, the big thing from them that's recently happened is Corbin Burns really, really spoke out against the arbitration process and potentially har- like really harmed their uh, rela- the relationship with the Brewers. You know, I I just can't imagine he's on this team when his contract expires. And if the Brewers, let's say the Brewers come out and the trade deadline is is appearing in front of them and they're 15 games out, like they might just trade Corbin Burns for a huge haul. And a lot of teams would trade for Corbin Burns. I can tell you that much. Uh, so that that's their pitching staff going into this season, and that's largely unchanged from last year besides uh, Wade Miley. They had Adrian Hauser make a lot of starts for them last year, but he won't this year. And uh, they lost Brad Boxberger from the uh, bullpen, and they lost Josh Hader from the bullpen, obviously, in that trade to the Padres. Uh, and then the offense, it's its interesting. I, the offense intrigues me a little bit. You know, I, I keep saying that, but like William Contreras is a great offensive catcher. I... Sh- I the only thing I really worry about is him catching these pitchers uh, because they had 
like Victor Caratini catching these guys last year, and he was fine. Honestly, I, I I think his defense is better than his offense. I mean, that's not saying a whole lot, but I don't know. I, I they'll obviously work with Contreras, and he's a young catcher, so a lot of a lot of young catchers find it a little bit difficult to to play really solid defense or frame pitches really well uh, and thrusting him into this rotation. I'm sure he'll work really well with them, but like Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are probably pretty tough guys to catch really well. But um, I mean, that's not going to diminish their value like a whole lot. So I think they'll be fine. That's the only, the only thing I really worry about from a William Contreras standpoint. Otherwise this offense is interesting uh, they they lose Colton Wong, but they can replace him with with guys like Luis Urias or more realistically, who I think will probably play most of the innings at second base this year is Bryce Terang. Uh, he's their second overall prospect, uh, first round pick. Uh, I want to say 2017 draft or something like that. Has yet to make his debut in the majors, but looks to potentially even start the year with them this year. Uh, if not, Luis Urias, Luis Urias will probably play second. Uh, and then Willie Adamas is a great shortstop. They have they have one of the better shortstops in baseball on both sides of the ball. Willie Adamas, who hits big dingers, that's for sure. Uh, and then Luis, or like I said, Luis Urias, he'll play second. He'll play third, probably a little bit. He'll play short, probably a little bit. Uh, they signed Brian Anderson, who. For the longest time on the Padres, I really thought was gonna put together like better years than he has. He had really he had a great like 2018, 2019, and then COVID happened, and he really has taken a step back since that season. Uh, he was really a promising young player coming up with the Marlins, and then um, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the COVID year. Maybe he's just regressing for whatever reason. I haven't exactly delved into his stats or looked at his swing or anything, but I I don't hate the signing, especially betting on the upside there. Uh, and then the outfield's good. Like uh, I think throughout this entire team, the offense is good enough to support the pitching. Roddy Tellez had a fantastic year last year, uh, 35 home runs, kind of out of nowhere. And when Roddy Tellez connects with a baseball it's a sight to see the dude is thick as hell and when he hits a baseball he hits the piss out of the baseball and then moving into like their outfield they got christian yelich at left field who i honestly think is underrated at this point um his contract is not even that big compared to a lot of the contracts now it's just for a very long time but he's a good offensive player yeah he improved on his 2021 season he obviously will probably never reach the heights of his MVP years um, and his fantastic seasons before then. Like, he had great years with the Marlins, and then he had 2018 and 2019 with the Brewers where he was just an animal. And then it's kind of fallen off after that. But last year, he had a good year. Um, he still really excels at getting on base and drawing walks. He strikes out around league average. And his power numbers are fine, and he's an above-average baseball player. I think a lot of people have it in their head that since he's not at his MVP levels, he's just not good at baseball anymore. And that is simply not true. I'm here to tell you, first and foremost, that is just not true. Because he's still a good outfielder. 
I guess I could see them trading him. I like would imagine if they were going to trade Corbin Burns mid-year, they'd probably tack on Yelich just to get rid of his contract in the long term because, as I said, the owner's broke as hell. Uh, but that's their left field situation. Was I'm assuming Jesse Winker will be playing back up in the corners, who somehow last year Jesse Winker was a positive run creator, uh, according to some metrics, just because... He like almost led the league in walks despite barely hitting. I don't hate them taking a little upside pick on maybe he'll produce more like what he did with the Reds, but is it worth it? Because it sounded like the Mariners hated him. Like it sounded like the clubhouse nobody liked him, and the front office it sounded like they didn't like him. Uh, maybe he'll mesh with the Brewers somehow. Maybe that'll be his his home. But it's not. A terrible bet to make, I guess. Um, they have Garrett Mitchell out in center field, probably with Tyrone Taylor as well. Tyrone Taylor's a really intriguing guy. Uh, good defensively. Uh, kind of underrated. Uh, hurt right now, though. Hurt right now. I don't know how many innings he'll actually play this season. I know he got like a PRP injection in his elbow, and he's probably going to miss like at least like April. Uh, but after that, I don't know. I don't know what the outlook is on him. And then, like, in the other outfield spot, that's not quite figured out. I mean, you have you have Sal Frelick as well in here, which is a fun name, and he uh, has yet to debut. He's a uh, top-five prospect of theirs. Looks to be a, like, really fast, like, hitter. Like, not great power, but really good offensively. Just uh, looks like... He can probably draw walks. He has a good hit tool, and he's pretty fast. So probably projects to be a good outfielder, at least in the corners, and he'll probably play a little center field as well. But um, that's kind of their outfield with, like, Kesson Hira as well. Another guy who had his kind of breakout in 2019 and then pandemic happened and since then it's just been tough to watch uh even in 2019 the strikeout numbers were a little high uh and it's only increased since then and i just genuinely don't know what to make of him uh because the 2019 season was fantastic because he put up like three war almost i think um and the strikeout numbers were high, but the power numbers were also really high. Like, the ball jumped off his bat. Like, his ISO power in 2019 was kind of insane. Uh, the BABIP was a little high, too. So, there was a little bit of regression probably coming, but not this much regression. I'm sure the 2020 COVID pause and all that probably halted his growth a bunch, which sucks. Um, but his power numbers have diminished a little bit. Uh, and the thing is he's honestly reached the point where the strikeout rate is so alarming that you don't even want anything with the power that comes with it. I, I just hate to say it. I just don't know what to make of him. Like if he can keep that strikeout percentage hovering around 30%, like it was in 2019, but produce the amount of power he did in 2019, that's a good ball player. That is a good ball player. It also didn't help that he doesn't have like the defense like redeeming factor usually with guys who aren't great hitters or have regressed a lot is they can play decent in the field. And he played a lot of first base for them the last two years. Came up as a second baseman for him. 
and that that position's a little cluttered for them, second base specifically. So I guess he'll back up Rowdy Tellez at first. Um, and it's not like a pivotal season for him. I don't I, I don't want to say, but I'd like him to show me he has been working on the strikeouts a little bit. And then that's that's their offense. I mean, it looks like just a solid offensive team. Not amazing, not terrible. It's fine. It's a fine offense. Pit, the pitching is where this team's going to shine. Like Corbin Burns and Woodruff is up there with Cole and Rodon, like Scherzer and Verlander. Uh, it's maybe the best one-two punch in baseball, <clears throat> particularly because, I mean, Woodruff's had his injury troubles of late in recent years, which eh, it's a little alarming, but he still threw 153 innings last year. And Corbin Burns has just been a machine. Like, part of his value is he's a really, really amazing pitcher, but also he he's he threw 200 innings last year, and he probably will throw 200 more this year. But it's pitchers, you never know. They're volatile. But this team's good. This team will challenge for the division. If they make the playoffs, again, like I said, they re- I really like this team in the playoffs just because of their pitching, their one-two punch. Like, that is so valuable in the playoffs. But... They do have the Cardinals to contend with, but it'll be a really fun divisional race to watch. I think this division, again, like the other central, is just not great. Um, But it's more of a fun divisional race for me than like Guardians, Twins, and White Sox. I think Brewers, Cardinals will be really fun to watch this year for a a lot of reasons. Uh, And what does BetMGM have their over-under set at? 85 and a half. Oh, I'm taking the over, baby. Over 85 and a half. Come on. Come on, BetMGM. BetMGM doesn't know ball. Over 85 and a half for the Brewers. They could win this division. They could certainly do it. Stuff would have to go right for them to win this division. But the one thing they have over the Cardinals is pitching. Like, the Cardinals' offense is way better than this. But the Cardinals pitching is is not quite as good as the Brewers pitching, and that is how they will win games. And if they manage to sneak into the playoffs or even just win the division outright, scary team in the playoffs to face. I would not want to go face them. Uh, Like, I think they're projected, on Fangraphs at least, for the fifth most war of their pitching staff behind the Mets, Yankees, Braves, and Phillies. And then they're right around like the Padres and the Rangers projected starting pitching. Uh, and it's really good. It's just really good. I am really excited to watch Devin Williams be their bona fide closer this year. He has my favorite pitch in all of baseball, his changeup, his air bender. Uh, but that's it for the Brewers. That is it for the Milwaukee Brewers. And now we'll get on to the last team of the division, the team that is projected by most to win the division again, the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals are just a good baseball team, very well-run organization. The Cardinals' devil magic, as it's become to know, like become known as, is just it's so strong. Like they they win so many games, and seemingly always call up guys who nobody knows about, and they contribute so effectively to the team. 
like the Cardinals are just they're ju- they've been boss in this division for so long, uh, and they're projected to win it again. They won they won it last year. They won ninety three games last year. Uh, their Pythag was ninety five and sixty seven. So theoretically, could have won two more games based on their runs scored. Uh, they're projected around eighty eight, eighty nine this year, which may seem a little low. But I think it's for good reason. They're not projected for a bona fide like ninety mid nineties team this year. Part of it, they got to play the Brewers um, like twelve times. That's tough. That's tough for them again. I think like if anyone in the in this division will neutralize the hitting on this team, it's the Brewers. Maybe even the Reds, low key. But the story of this team is offense, baby. And good bullpen, but their offense is fantastic. Their lineup is great. I mean, you have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, obviously two MVP type guys. Whom yeah, Paul Goldschmidt won the MVP last year, and Nolan Arenado was a top three finisher uh, for good reason. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt had a hundred eighty OPS plus last season, just an otherworldly season at the plate. Nolan Arenado. You could have made the case a little less effective offensively, but not, I mean, 154 WRC plus, 30 home runs, 891 OPS. Paul Goldschmidt almost put up a 1,000 OPS season. I'm not too mad about him winning. I'm very happy that Paul Goldschmidt actually won the MVP last year. Uh, He got so close in 2015, came second, uh, and has just gotten so close in his career to winning it, and I'm f- I'm so glad he actually did finally last year. So those two guys, they're okay at baseball. I'll say it. Oh, and Nolan Arenado's season last year was the best of his career. Raw numbers-wise, not as good as 2019, but that was juice balls. That was the juice ball era. Park adjusted and league average-wise, this was his best year of his career, uh, and he's just an amazing ball player. And then they have guys like Tommy Edmond who... Like, Tommy Edmond, come on, that's not a real name. He's a great player. He's just a great player, and it's unfair that the Cardinals have guys like this. Like, Nolan Gorman was really good for them last year. They traded for Harrison Bader. They got a guy named Lars Newtbar who plays right field for them and is great, is awesome, is fantastic, really. Like, Brendan Donovan came up last year and looks good in the infield for them. Uh, they, they have a really good infield. Really, really good infield. Uh, all were good last year, and obviously you know what Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are going to give you, but guys like Nolan Gorman and Tommy Edmond and like Brendan Donovan all look to improve upon their great, great years last year. And then you have an outfield that kind of relies on health, but is is it's not it's not the weak point of the team. It's just not as good as the infield. I mean, you have Tyler O'Neill, who unfortunately got hurt last year and only played uh, about half of the season. And then you have Harrison Bader was the late season addition. Or no, no, not late season addition. My bad. My bad. He was traded to the Yankees for Jordan Montgomery. He played a half season with the Cardinals. But the pitching is is fine. The pitching's fine. Uh, the pitching is, is... It's not weak but it's not as good as the offense but like it's still good miles michaelis is a good pitcher um they did lose jose quintana this season uh but they have adam wainwright again who's still pitching somehow adam wainwright uh interestingly still pitching despite 
there was that photo in the video of him and Pujols and Yachty all walking off the field together last season. And then he's back for another season. Like, that's so weird to me. That's just not poetic at all. I thought he was just going to hang him up. Guess not. Guess not. <laughs> um, but who, who? what else did they do this offseason? Uh, the big one, Wilson Contreras. Uh, they signed Wilson Contreras, and that just makes this offense and infield that much better. Great hitting catcher. Um, projects again to hit well in that ballpark. He's quite familiar with that ballpark, playing on the Cubs for so long. I know his defense leaves a little bit to be desired, but boy, is he good with the bat in his hands, and that just makes an already good offense even better. Uh, This offense projects to be close to top five in baseball, at least top ten, top three in the National League probably with the Padres and the Braves and the Dodgers, I guess. But just a great offense, all-around very good team. All around, uh, best team in this division. Better than the Brewers. Uh, better than everyone else in this division for sure. Position by position, wise, they. Well, yeah, no, I'll go position by position. Why not? Catcher, 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 catcher. Yeah, Wilson Contreras, man, great catcher. First base, Paul Goldschmidt. Second base is interesting. They got Brendan Donovan. They got Nolan Gorman. Both good players. Uh, not really a terrible situation at second base. Tommy Edmond and Paul DeYoung will be playing shortstop. Paul DeYoung will probably back up second base. Tommy Edmond's a fantastic all-around player. He's a such a Cardinals player, it makes me mad. And then at shortstop also, they have this fella, Mason Wynn. They're, um, he's not their top prospect. He would be a lot of teams' top prospects if it wasn't for their number one prospect, who I'll talk about later. Uh, but Mason Wynn, he plays shortstop. I would assume—it's ah, dangerous to assume, but he may make 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 his debut this year, dare I say it. It's a very cluttered infield for him to make his debut. Like All the guys I just said who can play up the middle, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Paul DeYoung, and Tommy Edmond, uh, all can play second base shortstop. All will play second base shortstop a little bit. Uh, injuries to any of those guys, I think, leaves the door open for Mason Wynn. Uh, a lot of people have heard of Mason Wynn and seen the video of him throwing the ball to first base from shortstop. He's routinely throwing the ball 100 miles an hour to first base. He had that throw in the Futures game last year that was like 100 miles an hour. It's like an O'Neill Cruz type, just throws the absolute shit out of the ball to first base. It's pretty awesome. And I know uh, his bat grates out pretty well. I don't think he has an amazing power, but it looks like his hit tool is good. He's a fast runner, and his arm is an 80-grade arm, and his it looks like he's a solid fielder. So him and Arenado... On the left side of the field is scary. From an already scary left side of the field, like I said, Tommy Edmond is a great defensive shortstop as well as good offensive shortstop. So they have Mason Wynn, this guy in the wings, waiting. Just waiting, itching to make his debut. So they're fine in the infield. And the outfield, like I said, uh, Lars Newbar will play in the corners. Great outfielder, Tyler O'Neill. I'm assuming Lars Newbar will start in right, Tyler O'Neill will start in left, and then we'll get um, 
some Dylan Carlson in center. I know he's slightly banged up right now um, and not exactly throwing the baseball, so I, I doubt he starts the year up with this team, which makes things a little bit more interesting um, because now let's get into their number one prospect, Jordan Walker. And if you haven't seen this guy and what he's done in spring training, he's had a couple home runs. Boy, boy, is he powerful. Raw power off the charts, uh, really strong throwing arm. I don't know what people are saying about his defense in the outfield. I know he's come up as a third baseman slash outfielder, but he obviously won't play third base for this team. You know, barring anything happening to Nolan Arenado, I really hope nothing happens to him. Even if there's an injury at third, Brandon Donovan will just play third. Or Paul DeYoung. Like, I don't think they're going to have Jordan Walker ever play third base. They'll stick him in the corners. So it could theoretically be a Newt Bar right field. Or a, or a Jordan Walker right field, Newt Bar left field, and Tyler O'Neill in center, which I don't hate. Uh, and then Dylan Carlson will slot back in the center or any outfield spot once he's back uh, healthy. But I'm really excited to watch Jordan Walker this year. Uh, just looks like a guy who can really hit the shit out of the ball uh, and has a really strong throwing arm. So not only are the Cardinals a good organization at the major league level, but they develop good talent as well in the minors, blah, blah, blah. Another young outfielder, Alec Burleson, will probably make his way up to the team this year. I'm assuming um, – I don't know where exactly they want him to play. I'm pretty certain they don't want him to play in center, so he will probably be a corner outfielder. But he came up last year in September and looked meh, but he played like 10 games. So he will probably – I'm assuming he'll start the year with the team. It'll be him and – him and Walker probably as the two debutantes in their outfield this year. He obviously is not as highly touted as Jordan Walker, but looks to be an everyday guy in the outfield who can hit the ball pretty well. Uh, I don't know if his defense grades out super well scout-wise, but stick him in the corners. He'll be fine. Uh, and that is kind of their offense, man. Their offense is just so good. They took an offense that was already great last year, and they slapped Wilson Contreras on there and then potentially are going to have Jordan Walker come up and slug dingers for him this year. So that is fun. This team is going to be really fun to watch offensively. Oh, I haven't even talked about uh, Juan Yepes, who is an outfielder who will probably play DH for them this year because his outfielding is terrible. He looks like a guy who just a pure hitter like that's why he's projected at dh um and another guy who the cardinals developed into a good player he's been in the minors for a very long time uh but just his he's so aggressive when he swings like there's a lot of raw power there so i think he'll he'll be you know he'll be a fine dh backup first baseman for this team and he'll probably hit some uh, some dingers and be a solid offensive player coming off the bench or starting DH for them this year. I am done talking about their offense. I could go on. I could break down each player. The offense is good. I'll tell you that much. That's all you need to know about the Cardinals offense. Good offense. Great offense, even. 
and that's how they're going to win their games because they're pitching. Their pitching's fine. There's a lot of a lot that could go wrong. There's a lot that could go right. Miles Michaelis and Jordan Montgomery at the top of their rotation is solid. I think Jordan Montgomery is a very cardinal pitcher. I think they'll get the most out of him of anyone in this league. He is a ground ball guy through and through, and ground balls to this defense will lead to a lot of outs. Miles Michaelis is just awesome. I love Miles Michaelis. Great facial hair, funny dude, uh, good pitcher, good pitcher as well. Adam Wainwright, like I said, who's real old, still somehow pitching, pumping 89 in a spring training game the other day, which is tough to see. Uh, the X factor of this rotation is Jack Flaherty. Interesting pitcher. Interesting pitcher Jack Flaherty is. He he came up like five years ago and looked fantastic in his rookie year, looked even better the next year in 2019, which was the juiced ball. Like, does the juiced ball era. He came up and shoved in the juiced ball era as a young rookie pitcher, which is very impressive. And then 2020 happened, and then he's been hurt since then. He's only thrown like 100 innings the past two years which is concerning. It's it's quite concerning because uh, if he stays healthy, he looks like their ace. Uh, I know he just pitched his f- first game in spring training the other day, so I don't know if he starts the year throwing for them because he's been dealing with like a calf thing again in spring training. But he's the X factor of this rotation. If he is back and throws 140-plus innings, the team... Uh, immediately goes up in quality and ceiling because he's really good when he's throwing the ball. So X-Factor alert, X-Factor alert, Jack Flaherty. Uh, Also just a really enjoyable pitcher to watch when he's on. Uh, And then the back half of the rotation, they got Steven Matz, who, again, seemingly seems like a very Cardinals-y pitcher where they'll probably get the most out of him. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, similar, I think he gets a lot of ground balls, and again, that will play uh, pretty well. In this ballpark. And I just another guy where well, no, not another guy. Just just he uh, big prospect pedigree coming up with those Mets. Like he came up as kind of the the forgotten one of like the Cinder Garden DeGrom. Like Steven Matz is also a really highly touted prospect and just hasn't exactly panned out for a lot of different reasons, health being a huge one. Uh, and then the other guy in their rotation, Matthew Liberatore, um, Rays guy in the Rays system for a while, made his debut last year with the Cardinals. I really like him as the sixth option here in the rotation. Um, I like his stuff. Uh, I think it's another guy I think the Cardinals will do great work with. Um, just looks like a... Like... It's it's good that he's a six starter on this team, and there's not going to be a whole lot uh, expected of him. I think there needs to be a lot of work with his fastball, but his his curveball is is nasty. His curveball is real good. His curveball slider is good. I know they think his um, his command will come along with like a, a changeup, and I don't know. I I don't see his ceiling as an ace, but I think right now as a six starter is really good, and I see him as a very solid back of the rotation guy going forward for this team in the future. 
obviously we'll see what happens this year, but I do like the depth in their rotation. The highs aren't quite as high as, let's say, the Brewers, but the depth is pretty good because they have like Dakota Hudson who's been on this team for a while who can start. Um, and then I wouldn't rule out them making a trade for a starter like at the deadline or anything. They they have the guys to do it if they want to. So not super worried about this Cardinals team. I just uh, – the again, like the, they came up short in the playoffs last year. And if they had a bona fide ace, which Jack Flaherty can be, it would propel them to even higher heights. So maybe Jack Flaherty is just healthy this year and that dude again. Like he might just be. Um, I know the projections don't especially like him to do that, but you never know. You never know. Uh, and and really all the starters have to do is get laid in the innings and then you pitch it over to this freaking bullpen. And the bullpen's fantastic. You got Ryan Helsley, one of the best closers in the league. Giovanni Gallegos, who's filthy, one of the best relievers in the game. And then, like, Jordan Hicks. Everyone knows Jordan Hicks. Still very good reliever. Chris Stratton, good reliever. Andrew Palante. Like, their five best relievers are great. Fantastic options. I'm assuming Matt Libertore might throw some innings out of the um, out of the bullpen this year for them. Like, they got Anthony Misiewicz of Mariners fame. They have a guy named Genesis Cabrera, which is pretty fun. And then they have potentially um, another rookie pitcher this year pitching out of the bullpen for them, Connor Thomas, who I don't know a whole lot about, uh, but I know that he will probably make his way up to the majors this year. Uh, and pitch potentially as a emergency starter slash long relief guy out of the bullpen. Um, so again, de- the depth at their pitching all the way through is really good. Uh, high floor, like low-ish ceiling. Um, but the offense, like these pitchers, the best thing about these pitchers is they will give you an opportunity to win the game. Like they're not going to lose you games very often. Like they're very solid starters who can go deep into a game and, and give you quality starts every now and again and allow your offense to do its thing. So the team is built pretty well, and there's a reason they won the division last year, and there's a reason they're projected to again this year. And into the over-under win totals, what are they projected at? They're projected at 89.5, and and I will take the over. I think they make a move at the deadline for a starter, and I think this offense just gets better with Wilson Contreras on it uh, and Jordan Walker and potentially Mason Wynn come up and make their debuts this year and probably look good. I'm taking the over on 89.5. I I do think they win this division, although – no, no, they're going to win the division. I will pick them to win the division, but I think the Brewers make the wild card this year. I'll go out on a hot take. The Brewers make the wild card this year. They're good. They're good. Uh, and I just, I really look forward to watching the divisional battles these two will have this season. So that is the NL Central for you. Uh, real top heavy, as you can see, but <clears throat> some very fun young players on each of these teams to watch. Uh, I do think the Cubs offense is good. Uh, good enough to at least win them 75 games again, probably, and be middle of the road. How the division will shake out, uh, I think Reds at the bottom, Pirates, Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, uh, nothing exciting predicting. 
not a particular exciting division besides the Brewers and the Cardinals in terms of like the matchups. But that's it for this round of preseason preview divisional. This is the NL Central. The Centrals are now over. I'm done with the Centrals. Now I will never talk about the center of the country ever again because next up, I believe I will be doing the East Divisions. So the AL East will be coming up next and then the NL East after that. And boy, are those spicy. Those are fuego. Uh, But look out for that in the next week or two. Uh, And thank you for listening. If you're listening this far, I really appreciate it. Rate and review. Recommend your friends. Uh, Really appreciate everything that all of you listeners do in terms of word of mouth, if you do it. And if you don't do it, I'm sending my lawyers after you. You're legally required to tell the podcast and recommend to everyone you know. It's in the agreement between me and you. So just remember that when you're having a conversation about baseball, be like, oh, oh, there's this cool podcast, the Chaos Ball Podcast. Once you listen, you'll never stop listening. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening. Have a good rest of your day.